dear listeners of the show Talking with Frankie. Today we'll continue with the series of episodes on the Second Ecumenical Council of the Vatican. In the last episode, we have welcomed Sister Susan Wood to talk about ecumenism. Sister Wood remind us that ecumenism is a vocation of the whole church. Therefore, we are called to a kind of practice of ecumenism. Today in this 14th episode, it is really an honor to receive a very special guest. His Eminence, Thomas Collins, Cardinal Archbishop of Toronto, to talk about the ecclesial structure and governance in the Catholic Church. Born and raised in Guelph, Ontario, Cardinal Collins was ordained a priest in 1973. He earned undergraduate and master's degree in English, later pursuing theological training in Rome. Specializing in the Book of Revelation, he earned his licensure in sacred scripture from the Pontifical Biblical Institute and a doctorate in theology from the Gregorian University. Cardinal Collins was named Bishop of St. Paul, Alberta in 1997 and Archbishop of Edmonton in 1999. Pope Benedict XVI appointed Archbishop Collins as Archbishop of Toronto in December 2006. On February 18, 2012, he was elevated to the College of Cardinals in Rome. Cardinal Collins was one of the 115 cardinal electors to participate in the 2013 conclave in Rome, where Pope Francis was elected to succeed Pope Benedict XVI. Cardinal Collins has published many books and articles, such as An Instrument of God, Newman and Scripture, Pathway to Our Heart, a simple approach to Lectio Divina of the Sermon on the Mount. Your Eminence, thank you so much for accepting my invitation to talk about the case of structure and governance of the church. How are you doing today? Very, very well. It's good to be with you. Okay, thank you so much. So the decree Christus Dominus on the pastoral office of bishops in the church focuses on three main elements the role of bishops in the universal church, their place within the particular churches and dioceses, and the cooperative work of bishops for the common good of the particular churches and the whole universal church. Now my question, your eminence, could you elaborate on these two main elements of the decree Christus Dominus? Well, certainly uh, the, the decree Christus Dominus is very important in, in showing us what we're called to do, but I think it's also important to keep in mind the most important document in many ways of the Vatican Council was the dogmatic constitution, Lumen Gentium. And so there's Christus Dominus in a sense expands uh, on uh, chapter three of, of Lumen Gentium. So it's just important to keep that in mind. The more profound theological insight is found in Lumen Gentium. And Christus Dominus in a sense is quite sort of putting it into practice, you might say. So what it, I think both of them, therefore the the vision of, of Lumen Gentium chapter three, and then the practicalities of Christus Dominus, they speak basically from different dimensions, the universal church and the local church. I think that is really, uh, these work together. And really it's pretty clear that uh, from Lumen Gentium that the universal church is sort of primary. First you have that, we have like before we had individual churches, we had Pentecost. Right. So really, you know, that's part of the yeah. yeah. 
And so a bishop is, is ordained to be a bishop of the universal church, a successor of the apostles. He may be assigned and appointed, uh, as I have been, for example, to be the shepherd of a particular church, of a local church or of a diocese. Um, but there are also other bishops who are not. Um, now, because being a shepherd and pastor is so important, uh, we even with people who are, let's say, auxiliary bishops to help a bishop in a big diocese, like I normally have four auxiliaries. I have three right now because one was moved to Nova Scotia. Okay. But even they are named to be uh, sort of honorary bishops of a diocese in some place, uh, like a, a place that no longer is, is existing, basically. But yeah. <laughs> A sort of the theory, at least, is that they're actually bishops of a, of a place somewhere. So the, the one element is the universal church. The other is the diocese and how they work together. Um, within the universal church, um, there's also a very big point is the relationship of the bishops as a whole to the head of the College of Bishops, which is, who is the Pope. The Pope has supreme universal authority over the whole church. He's the successor of St. Peter. But the bishop, who is the ordinary of a diocese, or we call him the ordinary, the, the main bishop of a diocese, has really full authority over the diocese. And he's not a representative of the Pope. That's the representative of the Pope in, in my diocese of Toronto is the nuncio, really. He's, he lives in Ottawa. He the, the bishop is not to be a representative of the Pope. The bishop is in communion with the Pope. Right. And he is to work together in communion. And he is under the authority of the Pope in the sense he must always conform, of course, to the superior authority of the Pope in matters whenever anything is disputed and follow that lead. But, but in his own diocese, he represents Jesus. He does not represent the Pope. He represents Christ in the diocese. Just as the Pope represents Christ in the Diocese of Rome as Bishop of Rome and in the whole world as the successor of St. Peter. Right. And so it's a kind of an intricate relationship there. You know, it's a kind of a complex thing. The bishops can come together uh, in ecumenical councils, but only if they're called by the Pope. So if the two of them really work together, it's, and it's, uh, it's not that the authority of the Pope obliterates that of the bishop or that the bishops obliterate the authority of the pope the two of them really work together exactly harmony right and talking about the decree christus dominus your eminence why did vatican ii need to develop another decree on the pastoral office of bishops in the church were there other components that need to be added or modified no i I think that uh, all it was doing was that Every, each of the portions of Lumen Gentium was simply expanded to give practical d- details. And so we have a section on the laity, and it's expanded into the decree on the laity. We have a section on religious, in Lumen, and it's expanded into a decree on the religious. So, and we have for thing for priests, and it re- referred to in Lumen Gentium in the portion on bishops. Yeah. And it's expanded into the decree on the formation of priests and the decree on the ministry of priests. So all that it is, it's as if you take a, the whole thing is found in Lumen Gentium, and then each portion of it is developed further in a sort of a, a, a kind of a solar system of smaller documents that deal specifically with the details of what was put in the, the document that affects the whole 
the whole church. So uh, that's why you have both a chapter on bishops in Lumen Gentium, the light of the world, and then a whole decree on bishops. Right. When you have Christus Dominus, which is the decree on bishops, it repeats some of what is found in Lumen Gentium. Okay. But it, it has more space to go into details. Right. Like what do you do with auxiliary bishops? What do you do with coadjutor bishops who are auxiliaries who could become the bishop next? Uh, how do bishops relate to others? In, in Lumen Gentium, it says how the bishop is a bishop of the universal church. He may well be assigned to a particular church. He doesn't have authority over other churches, mm-hmm. but he should care for them. And Christus Dominus shows how you can care for them by, for example, helping, uh, helping them in different ways, working together and so on. It also refers to something which is fairly new in its modern form. And that is that in local areas, bishops can work together. They always have in synods right. to work together, basically journey together. But we now have these bishops conferences, uh, now, the bishop's conference is not really part of the structure of the church. The okay. universal church is, the local church is, but not the bishop's conference. The bishop's yeah. conference is simply a convenient um, association in a country so that they can help deal with issues that are found in that particular country. And in our country, it's so big, we have four assemblies as well as one conference. These assemblies, like in Western Canada, Ontario, Quebec, and the Maritimes, are much smaller, and they do a lot of good work, but they don't have dogmatic authority or, or doctrinal authority. They're more practical, Yeah, you know, working together. Yeah, Cardinal Collins, I really like the way you're explaining that and the relationship between the bishops and the Pope. But how does Christus Dominus help us understand the relationship between the sacraments of holy orders in the church? like bishop, priest, and deacon. Oh, right. Uh, well, basically what it says in Christus Dominus, also it says actually fundamentally in Lumen Gentium, that the office of bishop is the fullness of the priesthood. And that's the, that's the fund- fundamental. This was not always clear. Um, there is a theory, uh, even back at the time of Thomas Aquinas, and around that time, that basically the key point is to celebrate Mass. So therefore, you have ordination as a priest, and a bishop and a priest can both celebrate Mass. The Eucharist is the center, really, of, of the church in its life. Mm-hmm. And so it was sometimes felt that a bishop was basically a priest who had more authority, kind of like a priest with a little more authority. Um, and that's, but he wasn't much, you know, he may just be another priest with more authority. And there's a whole theory of that. Now, that was really clarified in, in Vatican II, that really, the sacrament of holy orders has three, you might say, levels to it or three dimensions to it. The deacon is ordained. It is truly a sacrament, a gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's an ordination, but ordained to service and not for the offering of sacrifice in the Eucharist. Not a priestly ordination, but it is a real ordination. So as a deacon, it's very important for me to know all that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, it's kind of crucial there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, one thing that was put into, uh, I think I forget, Lou and Dominus, is reviving the order of permanent deacons. Right. So now we have transitional and permanent deacons, but really uh, they're the same deacons. There's no difference between being a deacon. One is for 
people whose mission is to be a deacon, that's their full vocation. And uh, others, they are, their mission is to be a priest, really. Uh, but the uh, but before they're a priest, they're ordained deacon, as that often happens. Mm-hmm. You would find you would take the priests from among the deacons and the, deacon, uh, the the bishops from among the priests. So it's a kind of a, it happened in history. But basically, there's a qualitative, there's a certain difference between being ordained a deacon and being ordained a priest, because the ordination of the priest is for sacrifice and is for for priesthood. It is for the Eucharist, basically. That's why deacons cannot uh, celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation, because the only the reconciliation has to do with the Eucharist. As the Eucharist unites us, sin divides us. So the one who can reconcile people so they can receive the Eucharist is someone who celebrates the Eucharist, which is a priest or a bishop. Um, so those are all together. Whereas the sacrament of baptism, of course, can be celebrated by anyone because it's so important. But uh, deacons have the formally, the uh, formal authority to celebrate baptism, to solemnize uh, weddings, to do represent the church and do things like that. Uh, and they do, they're involved. In, now we have a wonderful development in the church of an independent order of deacons, which there used to be in the early church, but it kind of disappeared. But then you have priests. Presbyter means elder. Uh, so you, I know how whether you're elderly enough to be an elder, but I'm sure you are. <laughs> yeah. I became a priest at, 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 at 26 years old, so I think that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how elderly. So, by the way, today is my birthday, and uh, oh. I just turned 34. Oh well, you're young. You're still a young man. Happy birthday! Good <laughs> yeah, I remember when I entered the society, like I was 21. Oh, okay, good. It was well, a yeah. long way. <laughs> a long way. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, the Society of Jesus, the formation is very long. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, uh, that's true. We, we, we'd ask and appreciate the Jesuits all we need a bit more time, you know, so we always let <laughs> they have it, you know. So, yeah. Your Eminence, Sister Susan Wood mentioned in the last episode that, that as church, we are called to a practice of ecumenism. Yes, How can right. church leaders in collaboration with all the faithful promote this today? Well, I think it's important. Uh, we, you know, the, unfortunately, there have been divisions in the church uh, from very early days. It happened, unfortunately, early, early on. Uh, but um, so it's, it's important that we do that. Um, I think just in local places, we should do it. You know, getting working together long before we can agree on doctrine or anything, which is very important. I think it's it's good to work together. Um, like what I just, just a few days ago, I was at the Armenian Orthodox uh, parish here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because of the, a lot of the persecution of the Armenian Christians. And there they have Armenian Orthodox, Armenian Catholic, and present at the Greek, also with the Coptic Orthodox and the Greek Orthodox and some Protestants and Catholic here, Catholic Armenian, Orthodox Armenian. So many different groups now. In that gathering, the Catholic Armenian priest and myself were both Catholic. Okay. We in that which means basically we accept the fullness of faith, including our uh, relationship with the Holy Father, the Pope, with Pope Francis. The others all have quite, uh, like the Orthodox, have quite valid sacraments. And they're, they're very much, they have priests and bishops and uh, deacons. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's, they have the Eucharist. They have everything, really. They have everything, <laughs> Except they don't accept the Pope. We would say that's something missing, and we hope that they can come to, to do that. Right. And, of course, Protestants, uh, they have many beautiful things, love for our Lord Jesus and, 
and the love of the scriptures, but they don't really have much of a sense of the sacraments as right. well as not accepting the Pope. And so then, but then of course, you know, that's ecumenism is really within the Christian world. All those who are united through baptism, we're all, every baptism, if it's baptism and I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's a valid baptism. And so all of these Christians are, need to be a part of one great family. But we also, of course, have also interreligious dialogue with Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and people who are not baptized. And of course, the relationship with the Jewish people who are not baptized also, but it's, it's seen to be much closer to ecumenism. So in the Vatican and also in this diocese, relationships with fellow Christians and with Jews are in one office and relations with non-Christians is in another office, another person concentrating on that. So we need to support it. And I would say like working together, like even this COVID mm -hmm. pandemic, right. many people are working, different religions working together and we're, we're really going at it, you know? So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And we also have theologians who, who uh, do all kinds of dialogues and stuff, but we don't pay too much. Uh, we don't have to pay that much. We certainly pay attention to theologians, certainly. Right. However, but not uh, not overly much. They're, yeah. they're, that's got to be there, but it's, it's on the ground that's more important. Yeah. Cardinal Collins, how does uh, Christus Dominus contribute to a better understanding of the role of the laity in the church today? Well, the, the role of the bishop, especially in that portion of Christus Dominus and in the section of the Umagentium, that relates to the particular church, which is like the diocese, it very much stresses the fact that one of the, the chief um, responsibilities of the bishop is to encourage the lay people of the church to be engaged in their mission okay. of, uh, of evangelization. Now, sometimes that involves working within the church. And I know in this diocese, I don't know what I do. Almost This diocese is basically run in the different departments of the pastoral center by lay people who are expert in what they're doing. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. For example, I, I had Dr. Josephine Lombardi. She yeah, was my great. teacher and she participated to talk about ecclesiology. She's a great theologian. And then yeah. she, as a lay, she's very involved in the in church activity. We have many different things where people, either theologians or is working for the church pastoral, lay pastoral associates, right. like that. but that's not the main mission of lay people. The main mission of lay people, that's one of the missions, but the main mission is most people don't work, most Catholics who are lay people do not work for the church officially, like in an office in the chancery office or as a theologian or something like that, but they do, or be even involved in the liturgy, doing readings and stuff. Mostly the role of lay people is to work in the world, in the in business and agriculture and science. Exactly. Yeah, and to influence structure in that sense. Yeah, so it's not the role. What, what the bishop is supposed to encourage is not to get all the lay people into the sanctuary. <laughs> that's sort of a, that's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> lay people aren't all in the sanctuary. They don't need to feel they're missing something. That's for the clergy is for that. But lay people are need to be, first of all, involved in doing various things within the church, certainly. But their main mission is to evangelize the world. That's And the role of bishops and priests and deacons and religious sisters and brothers is to serve the lay people as they are on the front lines. We are to provide them, you might say, with the ammunition. <laughs> and we, the church has to, to give them very good formations. That's right, yeah. Well, this is why yeah. education 
Right. Uh, the Society of Jesus very early on had realized that one of the things it was needing was good Catholic education. Right. The and Society so, truly believed that. Yeah. So that was, uh, but it's not the role normally of clergy to be doing things in the world. It should be the lay people doing that. We shouldn't get in their way. And, right. You know, uh, so the two work together. But the main role of lay people is not to have a role in the structure of the church. It's more to evangelize the world. And the main role of priests and bishops and deacons is to help the lay people through education, through sacraments, through gospel and things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. And with respect to the ecclesial structure and governance of the church, your eminence, what still has to be brought forwarded and practiced today? Well, I think the basic structure is, is it's all set, basically. It has been for a long time. We, we just have to work out in particular places. Uh, mainly, I think the key thing is the, the structure is fine. It's the people that are sometimes a problem. Uh, you know, yeah. in what old, sense? You know, there's, there's an old uh, saying by a, a British prime minister around 1820. It's the horse, not the harness, that drags the coach along. In other well, words, you can have a structure for, uh -huh. the, for the horse, but it's you got to have a good horse, so you're not going to move the carriage along. Yeah, you know, you can have a beautiful structure like uh, you know Christus Dominus and all that, but what as we've seen lately, we've seen one of the big things in the McCarrick report about a outrageously bad uh, bishop is that the structure's fine, but corrupt people were running, you know, were, were appointed to it. And so uh, this is, too, I think what uh, Pope Francis emphasizes. The key is not to sort of tinker with the structure of things. The important thing is to have a change of heart and yeah. to have holy people in the mission. So that's why personnel is say, some of this policy. That's why we need to pick good people for leadership in the church who are faithful, because you can have all the structure and all the design in the world, proper theology and everything, But if you have a bad person or a person who's not committed to Christ, then you have disaster. You have people living double lives and everything. Well, I think it's good for us to uh, study uh, these issues, uh, like about corruption in the church. Uh, it's, it's been there from the start, right from Judas. And, and so it's a warning to us that you can have a perfect, our structure is, there's nothing wrong with the structure of the Catholic Church. What sometimes goes wrong is we have, Bad popes, bad bishops, bad cardinals, bad priests, bad lay people, bad deacons. Bad, you know. <laughs> And then when you have that, you just have a, like the image is not good to see. Yeah. Well, it's good. That's why it's an important thing of the sacraments. We have a thing, ex opere operato, and not ex opere operantos, which basically means even if you have a corrupt bishop celebrating Mass, it's the body and blood of Christ. Right. He has no authority to affect that. We, could, we can't depend upon having the curie of ours as the only priest we have, like a saint or something. You're not going to get perfect, like holy. We hope all the priests and all the bishops are holy, but we're not going to always get that. So we depend not upon the personnel of the church, but upon the person of Christ. That's the most important thing. That is very important, right? You know, if you get a corrupt or if you get a bad or even incompetent or angry or whatever, cleric or leader or nun or priest or bishop or pope anyone but we've had them all we've had a lot of bad ones yeah the important thing is it is christ who rules the church 
and and therefore we we that's but all of those of us who are in a mission within the church have to really go to confession a lot and try to be holy people because the people have a right to holy shepherds holy pastors but they don't always get it and anyway the main thing is it's christ who's running the church not the, not the pope or the bishops or anyone else yeah your eminence does pope francis in his last encyclical fratelli tutti address the question of the ecclesia structure and governance of the church Well, there's a lot in Fratelli Tutti. There's an awful lot. It's a great encyclical, I believe. Well, it's quite, it's very long too. There's a lot. Yeah, it's a bit long. <laughs> it's rather long, and um, and so you go through it in great, <laughs> go through it in great detail. But I think it's simply an application, as he himself says early on in the encyclical. It's not intended to be a, a kind of a comprehensive thing, but he does give some points about, uh, you know, uh, particularly a sense not only of social justice but of social friendship which I think does make some sense. It's very real, very profound insight of our Holy Father uh, that uh, we often think of justice. We need to think of social friendship. But there's nothing new uh, doctrinally. It it's mostly a matter of applying the, okay. the ancient tradition of the faith okay. to our modern situation. Mm -hmm. Your eminence, any final comments? Oh, no. I think uh, just uh, that we uh, should uh, uh, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him singing for joy. Yeah. Thank you so much, Your Eminence Thomas Collins, Cardinal Archbishop of Toronto. I am pleased to say that Father Michael Rosensky, Canon Lawyer, Rector of the Jesuit Theologate in Toronto, will be our guest for the next episode. Father Rosensky will talk about the Second Vatican Council and post-concedial canon law. So we'll continue discussing the main subjects of the Second Ecumenical Council of the Vatican. Please stay tuned. You can subscribe to Talking with Frankie on Spotify, iTunes Music, Sotenai.org, and our Facebook page, Talking with Frankie. Many blessings. Bye-bye.